Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Life. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Doing pretty, uh, pretty okay, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm doing better than the White Sox. Let's say that. How about you know? I mean, it's it's not difficult to uh, do these days, but uh, you know, just uh, hanging in there. And uh, I'm only checking in on White Sox games now and again here lately because I'm just not going to do it to myself. <laughs> so, you know, I I, uh, I choose to lead a, a, a happier life here recently. So, anyhow. How you doing, man? Well, I will say it is certainly a um, a better strategy than actually watching White Sox games. You know, if you want to be happy, um, watching White Sox games is probably not the uh, not the move. Um, <laughs> and watching uh, Sierra's pitching for Luis Roberts' second round of the home run derby. Holy cow! What a terrible performance. Uh, that's <laughs> the first round was okay. The second round, he was all over the place. You know, throwing sinkers in there. You know, just lobbing them. They're dropping six inches coming into you know coming into home. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, I can't agree more. Uh, you know, Luis. Uh, you know, we talked about this as we were rolling into the show here. He had easy power in the first round. And when the pitch was there, he had easy power in the second round. Unfortunately, he couldn't get Sierra to lay one in for him at all. You yeah. know, anything that was close to an okay pitch, he took a long way. But uh, he didn't see very many of those. So, unfortunate. You know, we were uh, we were hoping for more because we're not getting much excitement out of the White Sox team lately. So, you know, maybe a, a home run derby win would have been something exciting to uh, – it would have you know, been something. Talk about, yes, that's it. It would have been something. It, At it's least literally something. all it is. So, Yeesh. yeah, man. You know, so it's over. But uh, he put up a respectable showing. So I'll take that. He made it out of the first round. You know, unlike some uh, past competitors for the White Sox in the home run derby. So, yeah. You know, only Frank Thomas has won it in the past, but uh, we've had a couple of guys go out there and uh, just tank in the first round. And that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, there's just not, I mean, you know, not that Luis Robert can't hit a, a low pitch for a home run, but when he's, you know, trying to hit home runs and the ball is going to different, uh, different zones, every pitch, and he can't find, you know, can't find any sort of consistency whatsoever for the pitches. I mean, it's just difficult to, you know, consistently hit home runs. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, big difference. And when you're, you know, taking hacks in a game and, uh, you know, pitcher makes a mistake with a breaking ball down that Luis can take for a ride. But, you know, when you're swinging the bat every three or four seconds or so here and they're coming in quick and you don't really have time to reset, you kind of need that ball to, to catch the the right part of the zone, you know his uh, where his power stroke is. So we all know that uh, Luis Robert has kind of a hot zone up and in a little bit, and uh, Sierra just couldn't find it. Yeah, I mean just the the top top portion of the strike zone. I mean literally that's all he had to do, and he couldn't do it. You know everything right. was you know he was throwing it to the top of the zone and it was dropping like three four inches, and it's just like. <laughs> Well, no one, you know, and it's like listening yeah, to the, uh, the down, Sally. yeah, listening to the commentator say, "Oh, well, this looks way different than his first round." Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was tough to watch. Um, well, what are you going to do? You know. Um. So, uh, you know, at least like you said, uh, with the Adley Rutschman, um, first. Uh, first round, you know, I was not, you know, thinking that he couldn't do it, but I was like, man, Adley's putting up some solid numbers here, you know? Yeah, I uh, I felt the same way. I was like, ah, we could see another first round exit. Uh, you know, when Adley was asked how he felt about his number that he put up, he said, I, I feel like it's respectable. 
and the, the crowd was out there behind him. And, uh, you know, I also felt like it was a respectable number. And I, I had a little bit of that uh, jitters for, uh, it, you know, at least in a second round. And, you know, again, like I said, Luis went out there and uh, he did see a lot better pitches in that first round and, and put some uh, put some big swings on some balls. And, I mean, so far he's got the longest one of the tournament, so... You know, kudos to him for that. 484 is, that's not a a weak shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I find, you know, I find it, I, I find it very hard to blame Luis Robert for that second round performance. I mean, I, I'm actually, you know, the fact that he did as well as he did with that garbage pitching, <laughs> it's pretty right. amazing. To put up 22 in the second round with the pitches he was seeing, uh, you know, it just, just goes to show you that. The guy's got some raw strength and power. Yeah, for sure. As, as if we didn't already know that, you know, yeah, of course. watching what he's done the last, you know, month, five weeks here. It's been, uh, he's been really tearing the cover off of it in, uh, you know, in game speed. So I expected him to, to, to put on a show. I wasn't quite sure what kind of a show it was going to be, but I knew we were going to see a few big ones and uh, he didn't disappoint in that department. No, he did not. Um, yeah, it's just you know, standard, uh, standard fare for us. You know, it's uh, hey, Rudels, disappointment. You know, <laughs> what's up, John Rudels? How you doing, buddy? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll get past this disappointment and talk about another disappointment. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, last, last. Oh, yeah, I know, right? It's uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, we're here, I guess. You know, yeah, it's what we do. Uh, White Sox dropped two or three to the Cardinals. Uh, it's like uh, you know, Cardinals win tallest tallest midget contest. You know, right. uh, beating up on the White Sox, <laughs> and um, you know, you get five innings from Tukey, and he gives up two runs. You get seven innings from Geo. He gives up two runs. You lose one game three to nothing, and you lose the other one four to three later on in the game. And you know, I think the the um, I think it was the shutout game. Uh, Elvis Andrews had two hits, and he was the only player with a multi-hit game. And I think that they had like five or six hits for the entire game. Yeah, and um, yeah. yeah, the offense is is. I mean, it's just been anemic. At best, you know, aside from Luis Robert hitting a few bombs here and there, not much of anybody else is doing anything. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, before we get like too deep into that, I do want to ask you, what did you think about Benintendi leading off? um, I don't think it, I I think it's a, you know, it's been okay. You know I mean? He's, I think, I think so too. But now what do you, I guess we'll, I guess my 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 the, before you get into that, and, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I guess before I get into that, my the reason I'm even bringing it up is because I thought Benintendi was good, and then we make the move to Zach Remillard, and I guess I kind of wanted to get your comparison between the two and see uh, how you felt about that one versus the other. Well, first off, uh, I don't know if you saw the article or not, but. Uh... There's an article that just came out that uh, Benintendi's wrist is hurting. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why he sat for for the games, and um, you know, to get him a little bit of a break going into the uh, All Star break. But you know, the the article came out and said that his wrist, his wrist injury slash uh, you know uncomfortability, comes from before his time with the White Sox. So, um, you know, you give a guy 75 million bucks and, uh, you know, I don't know. Knowing that he has some prior, you know, what, I don't know if you want to call it an injury, but obviously if he's, if he's been feeling it for this long, it's at least a hindrance. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had an injury last year, so, um, that sidelined him for the last bit of the season, but I, you know, just the... Yeah, just the whole thing is is just, uh, and you know, like I, I can't say, 
that the guy's not motivated because, you know, when it comes to the grand scheme of things about what is a problem for the White Sox, um, Andrew Benintendi is not the issue that is plaguing the White Sox. I mean, there's no so much other bad baseball being played. And, you know, I mean, he's not the uh, the, the most fleet of foot and uh, best outfielder out there, but he's definitely solid. And, you know, he's put up a, a, a decent OBP from the leadoff position. So, that I mean, that's why Zach Remillard got moved there. But my main issue here, I guess, is that, you know, I, I understand that uh, Remillard's hitting the ball and he's hitting like 370 or something like that when they put him into the leadoff position. Um but he was doing well, like batting eighth or ninth. So why? I mean, if all the people to put in the leadoff spot, and I mean, not that there is a plethora of guys that that are lighting up, you know, lighting it up out there that you want to put in the leadoff spot. I mean, who else is going to go there? I mean, TA, you know, hitting like one twenty, you know, for the last like month or something. You know, and has yeah. like a, a negative WRC plus at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just there's not a whole lot of options there, and you you know, you got Eloy uh, trying to call timeout on an at bat on um, on what was that on Sunday, and just uh, he didn't get his timeout, so he just started walking back to the dugout and you know rung up. He was zero for zero for five with like four strikeouts or three strikeouts or something. Yeah, White Sox Twitter loved that one. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, most people said, what's going on here? What's going on? You know, and it's like without even, you know, like taking the time to find out what happened, which was that he didn't get his timeout that he wanted called. So right. now I do I condone what he did? No, of course not. Absolutely you know? not. But, uh, you know, that's what was going on there. And uh, while stupid and uh, not the the best reaction to what happened, um, there was at least an underlying reason for it. And it, it wasn't just that he was, you know, <laughs> deciding to to go to the bench, you know. So there was there was something going on that that, uh, you know, wasn't super common knowledge. But, yeah, I don't know, man, just that the whole team looks dead. Uh, they look like they checked out, uh, you know, not that they were playing well beforehand, but, uh, you know, it looks like they checked out after they won the first game of the series. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, this, was, this was a nine-game stretch where the White Sox should have come out with minimum six wins. You know, when you, when you look at, you know, the three teams that they had played, in that nine game stretch. And when you watch that first series against Oakland, you just knew that uh, they looked like they were pretty much checked out They're 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 You know, the rumors again, swirling about, uh, you know, veteran players wanting to be traded away. Uh, kind of uh, just seemed to be cemented. At that point, guys are just like, you know, I, I just need to get out of this environment. It doesn't seem like it's a very good environment right now. Uh, they look a lot like, uh, you know, the last half of the Tony LaRusa, the second season of Tony LaRusa last year, where they're just dead. They're not having fun. They're, there's no excitement. There's no energy. There's nothing happening in the dugout. Uh, the only time you do see anything, and you know, I'll even say this: that Luis Robert home run celebrations in the dugout, where they throw the hat and the, and the jacket on, don't seem as exciting anymore. Guys are just kind of going through the motions. So, you know, uh, I think uh, I, I just I just think that some changes need to be made, and uh, we're not going to see anything different until that happens. Yeah. Um... So I think that this is all going to solve itself as far as uh you calling for changes to happen. Um I think it's fairly uh 
I'd say it's a fairly easy and accurate thing to say that there's going to be uh, numerous changes um, coming to the the team here. Yeah, Um, I know, you know, Giolito said he does not want to be traded um, because, of course, he's going to say that because, uh, you know, I know he has respect for the fans, but I don't think he has a whole lot of respect for the organization itself, despite the fact that, you know, they have done some things for him and whatever you want to say. Um, But between him and Lance Lynn, you know, and Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly. Uh, I think that uh, most of those guys are going to be on the way out. I wouldn't be su- surprised if the White Sox sold really high on Gregory Santos either, you know. Uh, I mean, right. you know, say what you want about wanting, you know, to lose a couple of the guys of, you know, this caliber. Um, I don't think that uh, – I just don't think that they're going to hang on to him because they'll be able to get really good value for a couple of those guys. So yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I think uh we'll probably see a lot of that bullpen uh kind of get dismantled and you know thrown in a few different directions. Um you know, we brought up Liam and uh <clears throat> excuse me, Joe Kelly uh recently about possible, you know, being trade candidates. Uh but you know, with the guys that are kind of on the injured list right now. I don't know what kind of value you're going to get back. You know, Liam, obviously, if he shows any sign of being on his way back to being healthy, could be a trade piece for a team looking to bolster their bullpen. But it's difficult to expect to get much back when a guy's been on the shelf since, you know, most of the season. <laughs> yeah, that's a, like that's that's the thing that's hard about that one is that, you know, yes, he's eating up quite a bit of payroll. And uh, I would understand, you know, the, the trading of him. But I, you know, the fact is, is that unless he's healthy, you can't, you know, you really can't expect them to be able to deal him, you know. And uh, you're muted. Are you muted? Not anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I don't. Um, you know, and it'll be sad to to lose him. And uh, you know, he's a very exciting and you know awesome to have on the White Sox. But um, I don't know. I just uh, you know, if they hold on to him, I mean, it. We're we're talking like, you know, when he's right, of course. Um, we're talking, you know, best closer in baseball type guy. You know, and right. that's the kind of guy Absolutely. that you're going to be able to get some, you know, especially in, in the fact that you have another year on it. You know, you're going to be able to get a ton for that. But, you know, if he's not healthy going to the trade deadline, who's, you know, who's going to trust that he's okay, considering that he was just coming back from cancer, right? You know, and didn't look, uh, I mean, he looked good, you know, but he didn't look like, Superstar shutdown closer. No, of the year, I would you know? say he was probably in like the 70th percentile for like all bullpen pitchers when he came back, but that is not the shutdown closer that Liam Hendrick is. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's normally 98, 99 percentile type guy. You know, he's in the top 1% of all bullpen pitchers in the game, and uh, that's just not where he was when he came back. You know, and then unfortunately he goes down with the injury and, you know, the trade deadline is pretty much upon us at this point. You know, I, the the talks have got to be getting heated amongst the teams right now. I mean, there's real offers being tossed around out there at this point in the season, whether or not we're hearing much about them right now, or, or if there's any progress being made from, you know, team to team, but I guarantee you those GMs are, extremely busy there's not a single gm in in the game of baseball right now that isn't having conversations with somebody whether you're on the buying side or the selling side even the gms that probably stand they plan to stand pat they're they're listening to offers whether or not they decide to make one is a different story but they're out there and it's happening so uh yeah uh it's just unfortunate that we're in a situation and maybe it's not that unfortunate you know obviously being able to hold on to uh, a, a pitcher of Liam's caliber 
uh, isn't a bad thing, you know. Um, but again, that all depends on if he comes back. And honestly, this year is a wash. So, you know, you got to think maybe if we look at it from the standpoint of, okay, this year's a wash, let's go ahead and do whatever we need to do to get him healthy for next year. If nobody is going to be a potential buyer for him, where you're going to get any kind of, you know, value in return. So, you know, there's a couple of different ways to look at his situation. Uh, but again, you know, when this is, you're looking at a team that's obviously lifeless, it's, it's pain, painfully obvious that uh, a couple of schleps like us, you know, doing a, a podcast and live stream can see it. Uh, everybody in the world can see it. And, uh, you know, it, it just, you would, you would hope that you could, uh, you know, make some moves and bring some things back. So, uh, you brought up geo. I think it's a foregone conclusion with him that, uh, I mean, it, you know, he can say all he wants, but the reality is, is, uh, he's not coming back here next season unless the White Sox lose their mind and decide to throw a, a bag of money at him. But I don't see that happening. So, you know, as much as I hate to say it, and, and I really enjoyed watching him pitch here on the South side, especially when, you know, he was good. Um, you got to get something in return for him. You can't let him just walk away for nothing. Oh, you know, at this point you got to do what's best. Oh, contraire, Pierre. Uh, I think that you you know you will see that uh, the way some things have happened here um, that you could certainly see him walk and not get anything. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I I do see him being deal you know dealt as well. Um, so John Heyman on six seventy the score did mention that the uh, the White Sox will be start you know they'll start selling pieces this week probably maybe next week. Um, said that they likely won't trade Cease Jimenez or Andrew Vaughn, and I would assume, you know, I, he says Luis, Luis Robert, Robert as well, but I would assume that that's that that one that one player is probably a a no go. The other ones, you know, um, I would feel like he's got to be about the only untouchable on the entire team. Yeah, I mean, uh, anybody else on the roster? I, I can't think of anybody else on the roster that I wouldn't go. Okay, you know, I mean, you uh, you know, Eloy, you know, uh, guys got, uh, you know, the the bat is is dangerous, but uh, the health also dangerous, and um, you know, just you know, we've seen him destroy his, his you know his uh his body doing stupid things and we've also you know i mean with you know like even that that strikeout the other day where he just turned around and walked away from the plate um that's yeah, just, just as mentally checked as well. out as as the other guys and you yeah. know it's one thing to talk about veterans i don't necessarily call Eloy a veteran right now even though up uh for you know a handful of years now problem is is he's he's barely got a full season of games played under his belt, you know, because he's injured all the time. So, you know, to me, he's still a, a kid. And when you talk about veterans that are checked out and, and ready to be traded, he's kind of acting like those guys. And, you know, I'm sorry, bud, but you, uh, you haven't earned the right to even say or think that way right now. You've got to get yourself right and stay right before you can start walking around talking about, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. that's, you know, part of the, you know, allure to watching a guy like Zach Remillard play, you know, where he's just, you know, I mean, granted there was a, there was a bad bunt to first base, uh, the other day, but, um, you know, talk about well, a guy had he that executed, does the it might've, it might've worked out, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but it right. was a terrible bunt. Yeah, no, it was a bad bunt, and you know, like that's gonna you know, that's gonna happen. I mean, generally he is rock solid when it comes to uh, you know doing the little things that that matter. And uh, unfortunately, it just didn't work out that time, and you know, and he also got moved into the leadoff spot, so you know that just puts the microscope on him that much more. And I think in the leadoff spot, I think he was like zero for eight or something like that with like a walk or something, right. 
Um, so obviously that didn't yeah. work out so hot, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I will avoid, uh, TMZ stuff. Um, but Xavier did tell me that there's, uh, some stuff going on with Lucas Giolito as well. That's on TMZ. You are welcome to go look it up. Um, I have not the, heard that. But. Yeah. It's not the, not something I, you know, that I want to bring up really other than it is a thing. So, uh, that will no, also, my, my curiosity is peaked. Yeah. Well, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. I will bring it up. Um, yeah, so that's unfortunate. Um, I will move uh, from the uh, the White Sox because, you know, we're talking. Uh, oh, I mean, you can't really talk about anything too much. Yeah, there's not really anything positive to talk about with the White Sox other than Luis Robert. And uh, we've already talked about him and how awesome he is. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and move to uh, the minor leagues. Um. So Colson Montgomery made his return to affiliated ball this past week. Ooh, has he? And uh, <laughs> he got put in Winston Salem on a uh, rehab, you know, a, a rehab after his rehab in the ACL in uh, Arizona. And in a week, he's hitting 600 and he's got a 1647 OPS. Uh, so that's that's pretty okay, right? Yeah, not so bad. So I, I mean, personally, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but uh, I would like to think that he's going to be in Birmingham when they reopen after the All Star break here on Friday. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like to assume anything, but at that point, I, I feel like if they don't have him in Birmingham at that point, somebody needs a good talking to. Yeah, so I, I mean, need to, we need to do a, a finger wag at somebody on that one. Yeah, there's no reason for him. I mean, it, clearly, you know, until his last at bat where he did get uh, he did get rung up and he worked he worked the the uh, count. I think it was like an eight pitcher at bat or something, and the guy just happened to throw him a really nice breaking ball that happened to come over and catch the zone, so he struck out. But uh, before that, I think he was, I think he had like a six forty batting average or something. You know, through uh, an entire week of games. Um, so, yeah, pretty good. Uh, no Schultz also uh, made another appearance in Kannapolis. And uh, last year's, so, I mean, talking about the, you know, because they've had the injuries, I'm talking about the last two first-round picks uh, from right. the last two drafts. Um, but No Schultz made another appearance in uh, for Kannapolis. And he is now at a total of 12 innings pitched. He has allowed one hit, one walk. He's struck out 16. He has an 027 batting average against, and he's got a .17 whip. I'd say the only thing that uh, basically we're waiting on now is just, uh, you know, prolonged pitch counts. Um, if he can get his, his pitch count up, um, hopefully, you know, I mean... You know, he's pretty much been like at like a 15, you know, an average of about 15 pitches an inning. Um, so I don't see any reason why, you know, when he starts getting up to like four innings or something like that, like just bump him up. I mean, there's uh, unfortunately, right. um, you know, like I know that they're trying to ease him in and whatever, but, uh, you know, it's like he's pitching against toddlers. It's not fair. I was going to say when you can't right, you're not learning anything pitching against competition that is that far beneath you. I mean, when you bring up a whip <laughs> that he, the, the whip that he has, I mean, that is, that's in the, 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 the phenomenal territory. And, uh, yeah, that's you know, like it, sub Jacob de Gram whip, right. you know, when he was at, a, at the peak of his, uh, career in, uh, New York. So, yeah, I think it's probably like you said, you get him stretched out a little bit more. And uh, we'll probably see him make the move as well, too. That would be nice. Um, so uh, because we have a shorter, uh, sh you know, we have nothing to talk about uh, other than the home run derby. And uh, tomorrow's the all-star game. I don't care. It's the all-star game. Uh, hopefully, Luis Robert gets in at bat and does something awesome. Um, other than that, I really don't care. Uh, stay healthy. Come home and retain your 
swing that you've had for the first half of the season. Uh, otherwise, I don't. Oh, care. you don't. You don't want to see the American League win so that the White Sox, when they when they make it to the World Series, have home field advantage. They do away with that rule. I think. They yeah, they did away. I'm just. I'm just joking. Yeah. yeah. There's. There's no way that uh, the White Sox are making the playoffs, let alone <laughs> going to the series. So. Yeah. No shot. Sorry. I mean, poor like, attempt at uh, humor there. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I'll probably have it. Uh, you know, I'll watch it. You know, but I don't really care. And I don't certainly really want to talk about it uh, on here. I probably so. will have it on as uh, background noise while I work on other projects around the house, to be honest with you. I mean, I will <laughs> say that the uh, MLB All-Star Game is, uh, in my opinion, the best All-Star game that exists in pro sports. Um, but, I mean, the bar's set pretty low. The NBA, they don't play any defense. Uh, hockey, the skills competition is better than the All-Star Game. Um, and yeah, the, the NFL NBA, is same a, way. Yeah, NFL's a joke. Is better. It used to yeah, be. I mean, at a... this point, I'm not even like really that thrilled. I think the three point competition is is a lot more fun than the dunk contest. But I mean, the NFL, the NFL. I mean, they, now that they've started doing the skills competition stuff, it's at least that part of it's fun. But the game is an abomination. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just might as well be flag football. Yeah, um, move over to something else that is uh, something that will uh, hopefully inspire hope and at least take your mind off of the terrible baseball that is being played by the White Sox. And let's talk about hopeful future White Sox players. Uh, Yay. As I'm sure everybody that is listening knows, Um the MLB draft started yesterday, and uh, I have to say, you know, I know that a lot of people were not thrilled about the first night, um, but a lot of those people that were not happy about the first night after the second day are feeling a lot better about things. And I will say, I do have a, a little bit of an axe to grind here. Um, okay. You know, I mean... <laughs> So people complain. I mean, I, and I understand that all the all the fan bases are like this. That uh, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the New York uh, the the Giants when they would draft, and every single guy that they drafted, you know, would be booing. It's kind of kind of like that whole same thing, you know. Um, it, it's pretty much like no matter who the White Sox took in with the first pick. Or, I mean, it's pretty much nobody who they took with the first pick where people are really going to be psyched about unless it was their guy, you know? And a lot of people said, well, Jacob Gonzalez is not my guy. And a lot of people were, you know, they're like, well, he's a shortstop, and he his speed profiles as a, as a first baseman or a DH. You know, besides the fact that he just played three years of SEC shortstop you know, with a very good glove. Yeah, solid defender. And um, that's who, you know, that's who the the White Sox take with the first pick. Is, pick is the shortstop out of Ole Miss, uh, Tim Elko's old teammate, Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, left-handed hitter, um, good left-handed hitter with some serious pop. And... Uh, you know his sprint speed is 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 slower, but uh, you know from what I've seen and uh, and obviously from what I've read, uh, he makes up for his lack of speed with uh, smarts. Yeah, uh, the highlight reels I was that I, I watched of him because I hadn't seen anything other than the highlight reels. But uh, the highlight reels that I'd watched of him, uh, I mean, he looks like he's got a good quick step defensively you know he might not be the fastest full out runner but you know uh he's he's makes some really quick moves in the holes playing shortstop and you know if you're a left-handed bat that's got some pop hello uh chicago white Sox have been looking for that for how long now uh i can't see why you would be too upset about that uh you know short porch and right field plays at home you know 81 games a season so I would say, uh, 
if he does make the move, you know, he makes it through the minor leagues and uh, and makes his way up onto the big league club, that's probably going to be a plus for the White Sox, having a left-handed power bat. Well, you know, if, uh, you know, we know that the White Sox are looking for left-handed hitters, well, you are you just happen to be in luck. Uh, of the four position players that the White Sox took in their top ten, all four of them are left-handed hitters. So, uh, you know, different profile for uh, one out of the four. Uh, the other three are, you know, power guys with good bat to ball as well. Uh, but uh, Eddie Park, the outfielder out of Stanford, is more of a, a contact guy. He's capable of hitting a home run, but he's uh, more of a, a high average guy. And they picked him in the eighth round. Um, but I regress. I regress. Uh, move back to the uh, second round. The this is this is the other one that just got every, you know that put people over the edge. If you know the White Sox, <laughs> if they don't like Jacob Gonzalez, then the second round pick was the one that really put him over the edge, and that's Grant Taylor, uh, right-handed pitcher out of LSU. And the thing that uh, Mr. Taylor has uh, is that he didn't pitch this year, and he's rehabbing from Tommy John surgery a la Peyton Paulette last year. And, you know, people lost their minds, um, you know, saying, why are we picking a guy that's got Tommy John... Um, there were other comparable pitchers out there that would have been just as good that they could have drafted that didn't have Tommy John. And, you know, like my response to that when people said that stuff was, you know, have you not been watching what Mike Shirley's been doing? This is, you know, he did that with Peyton Paulette, you know. And the thing is, is that it's, you look at that pick and, they said that he would have been drafted in the first round had he pitched this year. That is exactly what Mike Shirley does. A guy that he can get at a good value for a lower slot. That's Took what he the did. word right out of my mouth. He, he went and he got himself a value pick. And uh, people were upset about that. I, You know, I, I'm in the boat with you, the same boat with you, that I don't understand why... The people are losing their minds. Uh, you know, Mike Shirley has shown a penchant for finding some guys who actually might do some things as opposed to, you know, we, we you want to go back between like 2010 and 2000, what was it, 20? Why, when did Mike Shirley take over? 20, 21? Uh, he took over for Vaughn. No, did he take? No, he wasn't there. For, he wasn't the uh, the head for Vaughn. So it would be uh, Montgomery would be the first one he took. Yeah, so two years ago, or no, not Vaughn. Uh, his first, uh, his I think his first one was uh, Garrett Crochet, and uh, yeah, I think you're right, Jared yeah. Kelly. I think, yeah, which Jared Kelly's took. You know, made a you know now that he's been doing the piggyback thing, his his commands gotten a lot better. And uh, he's, you know, he's thrown some pretty decent outings. I mean, granted, you know, the uh, the innings count has, you know, he's still hitting five. He's hitting five innings, which is something that you couldn't say that he was doing when he was starting half the time. So, um, right. you know, maybe this piggyback thing, long reliever thing is going to work out. And if he sticks in that role or whatever, I don't know. But, um, you know, Garrett Crochet, you know, people are complaining that, that the White Sox drafted a reliever in the first round and like the thing was he was he was a, he was supposed to be a starter but because of covid it sped up his timetable and you know they're like well we've got this guy who throws 102 in the minors you know and he's showing that he's got some promise and that he could get some guys out so let's just go ahead and bring him up and have him do a relief role in 2020 cuz we're going to the playoffs and unfortunately, you know, they've kept him in that role and he's not stretched out and, um, you know, so, and then he needed DJ. So, which he's right. now recovering from. And, uh, you know, to be honest, like his, uh, his command has not been the best, um, so far, you know, I think it's going to be a little while for his command to come back. His velocity, he's hitting 99, uh, down in, uh, 
Charlotte and in Birmingham. So that that part's awesome that his velo's back. Um, but we need to get that uh, command sorted out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the drafts have been. You know, I think that the the Mike Shirley drafts have worked out generally pretty stinking good. And if you look at last and that year's was draft, my point of even bringing that up. It's uh, you know, my point was is we go back before Mike Shirley took over, and we look at the guys that were drafted in the first and second round of those drafts, and you know there were a lot of people that were happy with mm-hmm. those picks, and you go back and you look at the history of those picks, and uh, not many of them. I mean, sure, a bunch of them made it to the major leagues, which in and it of itself is you know something to be said because there are a lot of guys drafted in the first round and never even see, you know, the big league club, but. Uh, the point is, is, you know, you hope there was a lot, there was a lot of hope for guys like Zach Birdie, Zach Collins, uh, you know, Carlos Rodon, all those picks and Carlos Rodon looked really good after he finally got himself healthy and then he got hurt again. And, you know, I might have a little egg on my face for that one because I thought he was back to right, but apparently not. Although, he hasn't missed a ton of time and has looked pretty good since coming back again. But, you know, um, it, my, the thing is, is you know, when you get these high hopes and nobody was mad about any of those picks and that, they didn't really do much for the Oh, White that's Sox, because, right? well, I mean, see, here's the thing is that when you bring that up, then the, sh- the shift goes from, the talent talent evaluation side, then they they shift the to the, the player development <laughs> side, and they say, "Well, the White Sox can't develop anybody," you know. Right. Besides the fact that you know, like, did you ever think that, like, I mean, have we ever seen really a guy leave the White Sox that was a bad draft pick go somewhere else and just be amazing? No, not really. You know. No. I mean. The, no, guys the guys that, that leave, were bad right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they like, stay bad. yeah, I mean, exactly. Fulmer. You know, I mean, granted, <laughs> you know, Blake Rutherford right now. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I haven't looked since I tweeted about it, but uh, for the Washington National System, he's hitting like three forty-five with like eleven home runs or something. But you know, for the most part, you know, like guys don't leave the White Sox and become awesome. You know, it's like they go elsewhere and they do the same thing that they did here, which is struggle. They might have like a an initial jump off period where they look good for like a couple of weeks, but then things even out. Um, well, and, you know, the other thing, too, about Blake Rutherford is I don't pretty sure the White Sox didn't draft him. He was, uh, yeah, he was a Yankees guy. He was a Yankee. So. But we didn't develop him, you know. And like, Well, that's true. OK. Yeah. My, my whole thing is, is that, you know. To blame the development team to me um, is is a bit kind of lazy, you know, because I know for a fact that the development team is not telling Oscar Colas to swing at outside sliders all the time, or inside. Uh, in his case, inside sliders, you know, like they're not telling him to chase pitches; they're telling him to not do it. But the thing is, is that <laughs> he still does it, you know, like you can mm, tell somebody yep. something till you're blue in the face. But if they don't listen or follow that advice or are not capable of doing that, then all of a sudden, well, the player development team isn't doing their job. So, yeah, that's my right. my axe to grind with that stuff. Um, so uh, today... With the first pick, uh, you know, with the the third round pick, the first pick of today, uh, the White Sox took Seth Keener, a right-hander out of Wake Forest. And, you know, solid. Big upsides. Yeah, big upside, solid numbers. Um, can't be mad about it. Um, you know, it's just to me, like I look at these, these numbers, like these guys and the things that they do, and it's all high upside guys. And, uh, you know, judging by Shirley's 2022 draft, where he drafted extremely well, and you've got guys coming out of the woodwork putting up great numbers, you know, in Kannapolis and getting bumped up, you know, to Winston-Salem and still putting up decent numbers, uh, you know, like uh, Connor McCullough, um, 
Drew McDaniel, uh, Mason Adams, uh, Jacob Burke. Uh, I mean, just like the the list goes on and on and on. Brooks Baldwin. I mean, there's just there's so many guys that are all putting up solid numbers that came from the draft last year. And so, like, I, I'm of the opinion, you know, like I'm going to let Mike Shirley work. You know, I mean, absolutely big shocker here. Um, he might know more than I do. You don't say. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know like, you know, that I do have a Twitter account and that uh, in its very nature makes me an expert on uh, MLB drafts. Um, but I will concede that maybe he does know a little bit more than I do. Um, so, uh, you know, he's going to go out on a limb on these guys. Guess what? Um, I'm there until he proves otherwise, you know, with... Uh, you know, several bad drafts in a row that he doesn't do a good job evaluating talent. And as of right now, uh, I can't say that. So, um, no, I, I, I'm I, I was thoroughly impressed again, especially with last year's draft. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until it proven otherwise. It, just like you. You know, I, I can't, I don't have any other words, really. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, like you said, having a Twitter account makes you an expert on MLG, MLB drafts of sorts. Uh, you know, there's a lot of takes out there and there's a lot of people who, who they don't even share the same reasons for not liking these picks. You know, I, you brought up the speed for uh you know one of the reasons why white Sox twitter didn't like the other one was like you know we have all these short stops and you know <laughs> i did the, see the, there's a lot of people there's a lot of other yeah we got colson montgomery and we got you know lenny sosa and we, we've got all these short stops in the system why do they need another shortstop and uh you know then you get the people out there say well you know shortstops can play anywhere because you know they're just generally as a shortstop you're you're generally good athlete so you can be moved around which might be the case but you know i think the white Sox really believed that they took the best player available at that particular moment it wasn't about shortstop it wasn't about where the position was they they felt like they took the best player available they spent from what i understand and from what jacob himself said that uh they they spent a long look at him at the combine, a lot of hands-on one-on-one stuff with him. Uh, and they really liked what they saw out of him. You know, they might be looking for someone who can be developed, somebody who's coachable yeah. instead of somebody who's got the prima donna attitude. That's not going to be coachable and is already kind of found his spot, you know, his top out. And he, there's, you know, we've seen it before. There are guys out there. They, they peak, when it comes to draft time and when they hit, you know, the lower end of the minors, maybe they look okay. And as they move up through the ranks, they don't look so great and they're really not coachable. So, you know, I'm going to let the White Sox front office and scouting team do what they do. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, you know, like the other thing about uh, about Jacob Gonzalez, now that uh, you're bringing him back up, is that, you know, Sorry. one of the things about him is that the guy's got a super high OBP because he walks a lot. Mm. You know? Imagine that. Colson Montgomery walks a lot. Mario Camaletti walks a lot. You know, it's just oh. like they keep on getting these guys. Uh, Terrell Tatum, Jacob Burke. All these guys walk a lot. Hey. That's great. Is it, it, I mean, could you imagine a team wanting guys with good plate discipline? I couldn't imagine why. Yep. You know, watching this current White Sox roster. Yeah. That, why I mean, would you want why would you want guys with good plate discipline? Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't tip your scales at least a little bit to say, okay, right. well, <laughs> at least this guy takes walks and he can swing the bat. Okay, yeah, he's a little bit slower, fine. Whatever. But uh, you know, he did he did pretty okay in the SEC, which happens to be pretty competitive. So whatever. Yeah. Um, so with their fourth pick the White Sox took uh, Calvin Harris, not the DJ, uh, catcher out of Old Miss. 
So uh, another Tim Elko buddy. Uh, Calvin Harris, um, you know, his his big claim to fame is that he hit four home runs in a, uh, you know, in a, in a playoff game, which is uh, fairly impressive. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah, but uh, very good defensively and, uh, you know, big power bat, also left-handed. So um, that checks off couple of boxes right there. So uh then the uh the White Sox go uh Christian Uphor, uh left-handed pitcher out of Gulf Coast State Junior College. Um you know, left-handed pitchers, one thing that the White Sox farm system is was uh very deficient in um but with this draft and last draft they've addressed it quite a bit. The White Sox have a bunch of guys in Kannapolis and now kind of matriculating up to Winston-Salem, a bunch of left-handed guys that are looking pretty stinking good. Um, Not to mention, you know, the number one pick, Noah Schultz, last year. Um, Another left-handed pitcher, uh, Lucas Gordon out of Texas. Uh, He was the ace of the, the Texas staff this last year. Nasty, good, you know, it's just... Stacking, you know, stacking these talented guys, you know? Um, yeah. And it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you just like, you're sitting here watching these picks come off the board. And like when it gets to the end of day two, you're, you look at the, the list of names and you're like, all right, that's, that's something that you can work with, you know? Right. Um, so this next pick, uh, the seventh round. Is my personal favorite. The kid, the kid out of uh, is that the kid out of Jacksonville State? No, no, Downers Grove North. Oh, oh right. Yeah, George Wolkow. He's uh, outfielder out of Downers Grove North. He was a South Carolina commit, um, but the White Sox uh, managed to talk him into uh, signing, and uh, he's you know supposedly going to Arizona next week to uh, to do physicals and sign. With the Sox, six foot seven, big power bat, fast cannon for an arm. Uh, he played for a, uh, you know, a, a pretty big um, organization here in the Chicagoland area. It's at Downers Grove, uh, the Long Shots. It's like a pretty big, like uh, travel ball team. Yeah, travel ball team that uh, gets you in front of a lot of college scouts and stuff. And he was committed to going to South Carolina and. Managed to pick him up in the seventh round, which, you know, I know that the, you know, because there was a lot of, uh, a lot of college guys picked, the White Sox were able to save on some of that bonus money and funnel it his way. And, you know, this is the high school guy, you know, a la Colson Montgomery, Noah Schultz that they're, that they're swinging big on in the first couple of rounds, you know, for not couple of rounds, but apparently they were in on him in like the second or third round, something like that. Um, but for whatever reason, they got pushed back in seventh round and he's, he's going down to sign. So I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in the ninth round, Jacksonville state right-handed pitcher, God. Jake peppers. Um, Solid again, solid numbers. Um, you know, I mean, I can't. Th- there's not like one of these guys that I, you know, the the one thing that everybody complained about was Jacob Gonzalez's speed. You know, and the fact that he didn't profile as a as a shortstop, and uh, that's why they didn't. And maybe like he him. doesn't. Maybe he doesn't play shortstop for the White Sox. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. You know, some it. of those people might be right, or it's maybe fine. he does whatever yeah yeah i mean like the the one thing that i had somebody uh mentioned to me was well he's not going to beat out colson montgomery for shortstop and i was like he doesn't have to he has to be good at baseball if he's good at baseball we find a spot for him you know he doesn't have to beat specifically beat colson montgomery you know there's no reason that him and Colson Montgomery can't play next to each other. You know, like I just, I don't, I don't understand the, uh, you know, I, I know just people just don't like the pick, but I mean, like, you know, 
getting angry at it afterwards. Like, I just don't, I don't understand personally, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the last pick, uh, Zach Franklin, right-handed pitcher out of Missouri. And, uh, you know, he's done some relief work, you know, high-velocity guy. Um, he does get hit around a little bit, and uh, they're saying that, uh, I don't know, maybe they're going to work on some uh, mechanical tweaks to try and uh, add to the deceptive uh, deceptiveness of his pitches and also uh, possibly try and shape his pitches a little bit more so you get a little bit more movement out of them. You know, again, we'll see. Yeah. Um, and, you know, somebody asked me about uh, – you know, where I would rank people, you know, in the, in the White Sox top prospects. And I mean, I took a wild stab at Jacob Gonzalez. Um, but my whole personal opinion is, is that until I get eyes on them and until I see them play, it doesn't really like the, the, the rankings don't mean a whole lot to me, you know, because we, you know, Norhe Vera, a whole lot to me in general. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that as well. But I mean, like, look at Norhe Vera. You know, he rocketed up the the White Sox prospect list before we even saw him throw a pitch. You know, he was up to like third or fourth in the prospect rankings. Yeah, where's he at right now? He's he's thrown like six innings this year or something like that. Like I haven't right. I haven't even looked at the stats, but I mean he hasn't thrown. He's been injured. Um, he had lost a bunch of velocity uh, last year. You know, prospect rankings. You know, okay. You know, I could take him or leave him. You know, so, uh, anywho, um, you know, unless the guy's like in the top 25 or so, like overall MLB prospect rankings, you know, and I don't even really pay attention a lot to the site, to the bottom half of the top 100, honestly, because you can go down that list every season and find a bunch of guys who don't even make the majors. That's true. I think I think like in the top 100, I think that the the percentage of a guy that gets in the top 100 is like 25% or something like that. Like a quarter of those guys make it and uh right. and have like a serious cup at least, you know. Um but yeah. You know, like I look at the top 100 and if if a guy's in the top 100, generally generally I'm like, okay, you know, the guy well, you're can, paying attention to him, but yeah. you know he's obviously got something to get into that ranking. When you're talking about you know thousands and thousands of players throughout you know minor league systems, uh, you know to make that top 100, you're obviously a good ball player. But you know, the, the, again, my point is, is that even a lot of those guys will never see an MLB ball club. Yeah. So Ladder Enjoyer says, who's going to tell the Orioles they shouldn't have drafted Jackson Holiday because they already had Gunnar Henderson? <laughs> Case I mean, in point. I don't know. It, it, it's it's that's kind of apples to oranges, but still, yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, to this you, situation, you know. yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> um, like, I'm just like, that's not my that's not my thing, you know. Like, I'm all for getting as many talented guys. I don't care what position they play. If they're talented guys, we'll find a spot for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Too many good shortstops is not a problem. I 100% agree. So silly. Well, the thing is, is we don't know if any of the shortstops we have are any good yet. I mean, Colson looks good so far. Well, I mean, his you know? his bat's advanced, you know, great yeah, bat. Absolutely. But the glove needs work. Approach. You know, plate approach is really good. Yeah. You know, uh, we'll see what happens when he hits double A, which, like we said earlier in the show, will probably be any day now. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, somebody asked me if he was going to if he was going to go to Charlotte or if I thought he was going to go to or if he was going to go to Birmingham or if he was going to just go to Charlotte. And I was like, you know, last year, the Project Birmingham, he struggled at Project Birmingham. But I do think that he had uh, a couple of valid reasons for that. Uh, one being a super long season, uh, his longest season he'd ever played by far, followed by an obvious bump in competition, you know, and only right. having like what, like uh, two weeks or something like that to right. to prove that he could that he could do it. All I'm saying is that he he was pretty good in you know like he was really good in Winston Salem last year, 
But what we're seeing from him in Winston-Salem so far this year is absurd. So I I see absolutely zero reason for him to stay there. So I'm hoping they do bump him to Birmingham this week. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the other part of that, too, is, is, you know, as well as he's doing at Winston-Salem right now, he did just get back. It's it's been a very short return for him so far. So skipping levels is probably not conducive to success. Yeah, at probably this not particular the best idea. Point. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like in, in his first, I think in his first game back, he had two errors. You know. So I mean, this is like, and this is the thing that I always say about Colson Montgomery. Kid's a great player. His bat is phenomenal. I think he can stick at shortstop, but the glove's going to take time. You know, and it's like if the White Sox do that thing where they just, you know, the kid can hit, so they just rocket him through the system. If he can't play his position at shortstop, you just can't stick him out there, you know? Right. Right. Somebody's somebody has to, you know, like somebody has to be held accountable for those kind of decisions. Especially when, uh, you know, most people will say that the shortstop is the commander of the infield. You cannot have a gaping hole there. Yeah. Defensively. It it doesn't it doesn't bode well for winning baseball games. Yeah. See, uh, see Chicago White Sox to know that you can't have gaping holes in your defensive alignment. You know, right. I mean, whether it be, you know, your shortstop throwing the ball all over the place, whether it be your right field, your right fielder uh, diving and missing the ball by six feet, you know, I mean, just so many different things. And we've, we've seen all these guys that are put into positions that they shouldn't be in or just in general can't play their position, you know, and they're there for their bat. How about we develop these defensive uh skill sets and then you know let okay fine let colson montgomery hit 300 in birmingham you know for this year in the first half and next year i don't care develop the glove make right. sure that he can play the position and then right. move him up you know right. i mean yeah, yeah absolutely ideally you I mean, want to have him move quick but I hate to bring back old quotes, but, uh, you know, we saw it with the two guys that uh, this quote became popular with, and it's, he needs to check all the boxes. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw it with those guys. Everybody was clamoring for a lawyer to come up, bring a lawyer up, bring a lawyer up, bring a lawyer up. And uh, I, you know what? You and I were, were like, yeah, the bat's great. But uh, defensively, you know, he needs to work on the routes that he runs. He needs to work on, you know, getting a good, better jump, and he needs to work on his throws. You know, those were the those were the two biggest things, was his reads and his throws. And uh, what do we see from him still to this day? Same thing. His reads aren't always the greatest, and his throws aren't always the greatest. So, you know, he needed to check some boxes. And, you know, we saw defensive improvement before they did finally bring him up. Yeah. And it still hasn't been great. Yeah. So, you know, let's not rush. Let's not rush to the conclusion because we're looking at a guy's batting average. That's what I'm saying. Um, you got anything else before we? Before no, we, man. Uh, I think we kick this one off. No, I think we can wrap this one up. Uh, you know, it's All Star Week. It's been a short week for us between shows because uh, you know our schedule has been goofy. So uh, after uh, doing a live stream on Thursday, it's now only Monday. Uh, yeah, and it's All Star break. So yep. You know. Yep, we we'll get a few days off here uh, of baseball, which is a good thing. Uh, being a White Sox fan, having no baseball is probably the best scenario I can envision. Um, but uh, <laughs> we will have uh, three games before uh, the next stream, which should be next Monday as well. Yeah, hopefully some uh, some movement in a, in the right direction will be made between now and then. Uh, you know, we'll be able to talk about maybe a couple of these. Uh, Draft picks getting signed, and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll hopefully have a much more fun show uh, lined up for next week. 
Yes, indeed. Not All that right. this wasn't fun. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, just uh, you know, standard amount of uh, complaining <laughs> about people <laughs> saying things. Um, I mean, how can you be a White Sox fan and not have something to complain about right now? I mean, I mean, if if it's all if it's all rainbows and and sunshine and bells and whistles and butterflies and the whole nine yards for you, uh, you're probably medicated. Yeah, I mean, there's so many well, opportunities for complaints that I can't necessarily blame people, but uh, yeah. Uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com for articles and such uh, in this podcast form uh, of this program. Uh, you can find this uh, in stream form on YouTube. Just search White Sox Daily. Um, also on Facebook, we also have a uh, White Sox Daily page. Um, yeah, thanks for coming in tonight and hanging out and uh, listening. And uh, thanks for checking out the podcast. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for coming out. Have a great night. Bye.